Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to episode two of Forever Faith Podcast. I'm Merritt, here again with Ethan, and I'm Ryan, and we're here to uh, talk about the next chapter in our book, but first, catch-up time again. What happened this week to you, Ethan? Uh, Not much. I think about a week or two ago, or a weekend, I went and visited my dad for the weekend, not much happened there. I just, you know, hang out time, catching up with him. It was fun. It was a good time. What about you, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I actually also visited my parents recently. Um, they live in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, so let me just say this real quick. Hi, Mom. Uh, so, yeah, so we, uh, my wife and I uh, drove up to Fargo for the weekend and uh, just had a chance to spend some time with them to sit around the house and read, play with the cat, uh, went on a hike at a state park out near there as well. So lots of fun. Sounds like fun. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. What's up with your week, Merritt? I actually spent uh, last week up at a cabin on Lake Pelican with my grandma. Ooh, I gotta love the lake life. Oh yeah, it was it was nice except for every other day was some like almost mysterious pop up storm that wouldn't show up on the radar. So they would tell us, oh, it's going to be a beautiful, clear day, perfectly sunny, 85 degrees. Every time, man. And then all of a sudden we get a little bit of breeze in the morning. We're like, okay, it'll clear up. And then by like noon, it's all cloudy. There's like 15, 20 mile an hour winds. And there's like three wi- three foot waves slamming my boat against oh, the dock. No. So Nice. Well, what do you do? You can't, you can't control the weather, right? <clears throat> oh, well. Well, you know, we're, we're all uh, just muddling through uh, with coronavirus time. We're getting ready for school to start up. You guys have about a month, is that right? Three weeks, actually, Three today. Weeks. Okay, well, we're almost there. Um, you know, it's my understanding that schools are doing like a divided system, right? So people are going two days a week? Uh, there's a group B, there's a group A. Okay. Um, group A goes... I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Group B goes Thursday, Friday. Sure. So Monday's kind of the day that schools just have nothing going yeah. on, or at least your your school specifically anyway. Yep. Sure. Well, you know, we're all trying to figure out a good system. I know I'm working through kind of what this year's going to look like. A uh, lot of changes, but I think we've uh, got some good hope, too, that there's some good stuff on the horizon. Yeah, soon this corona will go away. Yeah, that's... Uh, I do pray for that. <laughs> uh, everything else gets much easier if we can just get over this, but uh, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, we nope. we uh, Together we read uh, chapter two of The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. Uh, so I think it's about time that we uh, jump back into book club. What do you say, guys? I'm in. Let's go. Sounds good. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, so the chapter two uh, picks up kind of where we left off last time. Last time we talked about how one of the problems that people have with faith in God, especially Christianity, is kind of the exclusivity, right? People get left out like there's only one way, there's only one right answer. 
but today we get to talk about a different issue that people have with uh, the ideology and about faith, and that's the problem of evil and suffering in our world. And so just to summarize this argument, right, you know, we, we have uh, the idea that God is both good and that God is all-powerful. Well, that's tricky when we're talking about evil and suffering in the world because if God is good, then he'll stop evil and suffering, right? Because that's the good thing to do. But he doesn't do that because evil and suffering still exist. So therefore, if God is good, he can't be all-powerful because he just can't do anything to stop it. And on the other hand, if God is all-powerful and if he is capable of stopping evil and then he's not doing it, that's an evil thing. Uh, what, what, how do you guys feel about that argument? You know, what, what's happening in your minds and in your gut as you hear that? I feel like... Yes, it's horrible that we do have all this evil in the world and everything, but for me, I feel like my thoughts on this is if we don't have flaws, then how are we going to grow? If we're all perfect and everything, we didn't have no flaws, no nothing, how are we going to grow? How are we going to learn? How are we going to Sure, so, so growth and learning happens through problems. Yes. Sure. Mistakes. You learn from your mistake. You don't do it again. You get stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand that. Merritt? I agree with that, but I believe it's not only that. Um, you get into if there wasn't any evil, everything would be good and everything would be perfect. Mm-hmm. And technically then everyone would get into heaven because it would just almost be a given because there's nothing to take us away from it. Right. Isn't that the goal though? Isn't that what everybody wants? You want to get to heaven, but you, he wants you to almost have to try to work for it. Just like almost anything else in the world, instead of just being given to you, you got to actually search for him and try to work for it. Sure. Yeah. So there's, there's something more than just getting everything handed to you. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I can see how that I- ideology really fits in here. Um, y- you know, I mean, uh, obviously it's a powerful argument. And, you know, e- even though we're kind of picking at it a little bit, we also recognize, you know, it, it rings a little bit true, you know, to say, you know, maybe God isn't both good and all-powerful at the same time. Maybe he's only one of them or maybe he's only, you know, a halfway combination um, and, and, you know, that that's a perspective that so many people in our world have. Um, do you do you have uh, friends or acquaintances who kind of fall into that, who they say, well, God can't be real because of these things, because of evil and suffering? I'm, I know that I've said it. Mm. I've said it when I was way younger, when I was just starting out in the world. Yeah. I, I've said, oh, if God is real and everything, why does all this bad stuff happen? And what I've come to realize and through my years of growing up, which is not many years, but <laughs> you start somewhere. Still, right? Yeah, you start somewhere. Um, it's that for me, I think everything needs a balance. Everything. There's a light, dark. There's a light side. There's a dark side. Um, and it just it balances it, itself out. Sure. If there's no evil, all the light will take over. If there's no um light there's gonna be dark everywhere sure so i'm just saying that without 
any bad things happening, I feel like it would throw the world into unbalance. Yeah. I mean, I, I like how you described kind of the light and the darkness, right? You know, I've, I've heard it said that light doesn't make darkness, but it really shows the darkness, right? So if you can see good things, all of a sudden it makes it a lot easier to see the bad things too. I also... I was actually thinking about this really recently too, about like the balance and um, the light and darkness or whatever. But I think that God is there to keep the balance there, to keep the good and evil separate, to keep it balanced, not overcome or not too much light or too much perfect, too much anything. I think he's just there to keep it all balanced. Sure. What do you think, Merritt? I think it is a really big topic because yeah, yeah. No, none of this is small stuff, and it's, no, it's definitely kind of hard to sure. put into something smaller like this. But yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. No, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think one of the difficulties of talking about good and evil, um, as, you know, it's it's such a general topic. Like everybody, it's so easy to say yes, we approve of the good and we condemn the evil. But then to get into the nitty and gritty and talk about our relationship to it and talk about God's relationship to it, all of a sudden complicates everything more than you ever thought possible. And so, like, I, I feel that very deeply. It's hard to find the right words to describe how we think about it and how we talk about it and how we move on with it. Um, are you guys cool if we just move on kind of the, to the next point, kind of how the book um, addresses yeah. it? You know, so, so the, the uh, Timothy Keller moves on to give a response, and that's kind of what the rest of this chapter is about. So, the, you know, the argument is God cannot both be all-powerful and good at the same time. Why? Because there's evil in the world. You know, and so the, the statement that someone might say, and some people have said, um, is if a good and powerful God exists, then he would not allow pointless evil in the world. Therefore, a traditional good and powerful God cannot exist. And so the response to that is saying, well, th there's an assumption here, right? You, you know, let, let's dig down into the logic. Let's go step by step, figure out kind of what's it actually saying. And one of the assumptions here is that there is a pointless evil, right? And, and I mean, we feel that pointless evil. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. Like we know there's evil in the world. We know there's bad things happening in the world and a lot of it feels pointless. There's no purpose to it. It's just random. And yet that premise of pointless evil says that this evil appears pointless to me. In my mind, in my heart, as I see the world, I cannot see a reason for this evil. Therefore, this evil must, in fact, be pointless. What do you guys think about that kind of rebuttal? Or kind of explanation of the logic, I guess. So... And I do get that a lot because you can, it might seem pointless to you, but that's because you can't see what would give it a point. Right. Yeah. You might not be able to see the good in it. Or maybe it just doesn't 
really do anything to you and you just see what it kind of does to other people and what not like the after effects of what they might have learned or why it might have happened you just kind of got the first glimpse and it's like you don't really understand why it happened right so you you you're saying that 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 statement is looking very narrowly at life yes yeah so there's kind of a perspective difference they can't see any good coming out of it but maybe if they kind of backed up they zoomed out that they would maybe see something beneficial what do you think about that ethan when you first started talking about this subject all i could think is well what is the pointless evil what would yeah to because to some people it might even it might not be a pointless evil it could be something great and all good sure and to some it might not be well yeah i mean i think i think even even the chapter gave some examples of this right where yes. people go through pain they go through uh death of a loved one um and and merit i know you've been going through that recently and i i know the pain that exists there uh, are you willing to share that on the podcast or do you want to kind of just gloss over it a little bit yeah no i'm all right sharing that um for kind of some background on the, or an overview, um, about two weeks, two and a half weeks ago. Recently, my, yeah. Yeah, pretty recently, uh, my grandpa passed away from cancer at 70 years old. So it was kind of a very fast and unexpected turn because he was always one of the healthiest people and our family and to just he ended up like getting diagnosed in like april and then dying in july right so it was a quick almost three three and a half month turn from being great going out snowmobiling cutting down trees like doing more than what your average 70 year old would be doing anyways to just in a hospice bed where he can't even get out of bed to use a bathroom. Right. You know, and I, I, I bet that feels just terrible, man. Like I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's, it's hard to watch, but at the same time, um, he was probably one of my closer grandparents to God. Well, I'm not saying closer because I'm not sure the relationship between everyone. He was just one of the most outspoken. He could talk about, he's probably read the Bible 11, 12 times through because he'll read it through and then a couple months later he'll go and read it again. Because it's one of those things where every time you read it you find another little point that you notice or something like that. And he was probably the best person to be able to ask about the Bible without actually asking a pastor. Right. Like oh my gosh, you that's or Pastor Andy cuz he just read it so much yeah, and he had the experience in the background. Yeah. Yeah. No, what what a, what a wonderful example coming from somebody. Yeah. And his whole thing what with it was he wanted um, my dad and my aunts and uncles and all his kids there kind of as he was going through this because he saw it as like a life lesson 
they watched me live and they i helped them watch like grow up and now they're going to see me die yeah and so to him it put it as a full circle mm. and i'm not really sure where he got that idea from i think it was from another one of his uh friends that passed away a couple of years ago right was it was like you know at first it's hard and it's gonna be hard for everyone but you can't just have anybody hide from it because death is the reality right. and you're their parent you teach them so so he, he kind of gave you an example for life yeah kind of how to live how to kind of go through and kind of how to like treat your family too at the same yep. time and even even how to die even how to handle it then because he was even through all of this where he just quick turn and basically in a sense lost everything but in a way he al also lost nothing right because he never once got mad about it mm. he never once turned and was like why is this happening to me god he was like okay if i pull through this it's not my time and it was an experience right if i don't pull through this i believe it's just my time there it is yeah, and that, that's such an interesting perspective, too, because when we come face-to-face -face with death of a loved one, we, you know, we can't help but view that as an evil in the world, right? You know, that's not something that anybody wants to talk about. No, I mean, obviously, we can, we can talk more about more specific evils, right? Like, there's a lot of evil. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of... I mean, you, you can't look at the example, you know, just to go hardcore here, of a child being abused and not recognize that as straight-up evil, right? And it feels so pointless because it's something that another human being is doing to another human being for themselves, and it's just ridiculous. Uh, and, and, you know, not that that's a great example of this, but we, we see people coming out of their situations stronger as, as stronger people, as having more insight, as having more strength than they did before they went through that thing. And I think this goes back to what you said before, Ethan, of kind of recognizing that that's how we learn. That's how we come through life. Yeah. Y you know, the, the, the hardest thing about, you know, this concept of, well, you know, the, the, the pointless evil is that just because you or me can't see a reason for something bad happening doesn't mean that there isn't a reason for something bad happening, right? You know, merit. That's what. That's where you were saying to zoom out, to see bigger picture, to recognize that. Hey, you know, maybe I'm missing something. You know, I'm. I don't know everything. I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I have the full picture of the universe in my <laughs> brain, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, and. I th that's one of the things that I've tried starting to work on with myself is I used to look at just things, try to just, or just like almost everyone else, you just see it from your perspective mm. and, um, having all my grandparents and everything, it was, you always saw the issues. And then even just growing up through middle school and high school, you have all these other friends that have issues and you try to help them and talk to them about it. And, you kind of make yourself and teach yourself how to step back and take a look at it yeah. from a little bit of a bigger perspective because 
there's some things where it's like, yeah, you just want to kind of take your friend's side and be like, oh, yeah, you're right on this and back them up fully. But at the same time, it's like sometimes you got to call them out because they're wrong. And if you just let them go along with it, you're end up going to hurt. Just put them in a worse situation in the end. Yeah, you end up hurting in the long run, right? That, that There's a good lesson about friendship right there, right? Yeah, I wanted to add on to what he said. Um, sometimes, like he said, that when you zoom out and look at the bigger picture, I wanted to point out that sometimes your friends can see the problems that you can't see. Mm. Like if you're in a relationship. Oh, and that's a great example. Oh, my goodness. You can't see what the other person is doing, but your other friends can. Yeah. You should listen to your friends. Uh, so... Since this is an audio podcast, none of you uh, can tell, uh, but Ethan and Merritt are shooting glances at each other. Uh, I'm not going to make them tell this one because this is a little more personal, but I have the feeling that they have done this to each other over the course of the last couple of years. Yes. Uh, how do you feel about uh, recognizing in the past that somebody else was right about your relationship? Um, I was really... I think selfish would be the right word. I, I kind of sure. didn't go on their advice i kind of just stayed to myself and just try to push through it and try to work it by myself right and that didn't work that i realized now that i should go to my friends and see what they what their point of view on it it should be uh, not should be but is. Yeah, it is yeah so they, they they have a different perspective that you have yeah yeah what about you Merritt? i believe it's a it is kind of can be a very hard thing because you talk about it you step back but at the same time it's like it's hard to step back sometimes on your own situations too yes because you're so caught up in the middle and it's like your friends can see different things and point out like other bigger picture ideas but sometimes you feel like because you're actually in the middle of it you have more of a detail and um you kind of feel like they're like, no, that's not what's going on. So it can, it can be really difficult to try to accept what someone might tell you if it's not what you want to hear. Right. That's the trick here. So so you've both kind of been in this situation where a friend has a perspective on a relationship that you're in that you didn't necessarily have. Um, I think this is a great example where you probably ended up going through something painful you know, there, there's some pain and suffering involved there. Uh, what, what's maybe a lesson you learned from going through that pain and suffering? I would say listen to your friends. Um, I wouldn't say listen to everything that they say because you're going to want to go on your own path. Sure. But if it's something... Let me restart. Okay. <laughs> You you should listen to your friends. I'm not going to say only a little bit of it, but everything that your friends have to say, you should listen to it. That, 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 that was a advice. good backtrack. I, I like it because you're still allowed to make your own decisions, right? You're not yeah. saying that you're giving up control of your life. You're saying that you value what your friends have to say and you at least want their perspective to help you think yes. through what you do. Yes. Yeah. You don't always have to take your friend's advice, but at least listen to them and consider it. Right. Because all they can't force you to do it. So them all they can really try to do all all they can really try to do is give you their advice and s- give you what they see and you have to 
decide whether to accept it or listen to them or not and continue on what you think is right. And they might be wrong. They might be right. And it's, there is almost no go to right or wrong for a lot of things. Right. Everyone can have the different perspective. The the thing I love about you sharing your stories here is that you learned a lesson from it, right? You're not sitting here telling me that that pain was useless. You're sitting here telling me that, you know, there was something I learned that I wouldn't have learned otherwise, you know? And I, I think that's kind of where people come down on the suffering thing is they, they begin to recognize that, you know, as bad as the thing was, as I look back, I actually wouldn't change a thing. Now, obviously not everybody ends up here. And as a listener to our podcast, I want you to know that I recognize that there's some things that you just can't justify, right? Yeah. There's some things that happen in life that you just cannot see any possible good coming out of it. And I get that. That's that's part of life. That's a thing. Um, but here we're, we're looking at the logic of the argument. You know, the argument is saying that God does not exist because of pain and evil and suffering in the world. And what we're kind of saying here is that, you know, there's an assumption saying that the only way that that argument works is if you actually have the greatest view in the universe, right? That you can see everything and say there is no possible way that any good can possibly exist in the whole universe in this one situation, which we feel that, right? Like people say that all the time because that's how we feel and that's fine. I get that. Yeah. But, you know, but it's also logically kind of a tough part to be in. Um, and, and so the, the argument, uh, the rebuttal ends by saying, you know, if it's possible that for some evil that we can come up with a good reason why it exists, why it's there, why it happens, isn't it possible that from God's all-knowing point of view that there are good reasons for all of the things for evil that we just can't see because we're human, we're kind of stuck, we're the, we're the little people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I this argument shifts then. So obviously, uh, Timothy Keller takes the time to show kind of the inconsistency in that view. Uh, but he has not yet said, yes, we hear some evidence for God. He said that saying this argument isn't actually quite evidence against God. But then he turns it on his side. Um, you know, he quotes C.S. Lewis. And I'm just going to read this for you. C.S. Lewis um, makes an argument essentially saying that... Uh, the argument about suffering and evil in our world is actually more of an argument for God's existence instead of against it. Here's what he says. Argument against God was that the universe seemed cruel and unjust. But where did the concepts of unjust come from? What was I comparing the universe to? I could give up the idea of justice by saying it was nothing but a private idea of my own, but then the argument against God collapsed. It depends on things in the world actually being unjust. Not just that it didn't happen to please my private fancies. He, he's making the argument that saying, you know, I think something's unjust. But if I admit that that argument for justice came from what I think is just and not from an ultimate reality of what justice is, well, then I just said that God exists because there's some common argument for what is justice and what is unjust. 
if, if you're sure that the natural world is full of injustice, uh, if it's filled with evil, if it's filled with suffering, then you're assuming that there's a standard out there that is real, that all of us can be held to. You know, what, what do you guys think about that argument? Kind of where did you land when you read that for the first time? Um, it was, uh, it was different reading that because you kind of have sometimes thoughts like that a little bit where it's like, and it kind of ties back into something that they mentioned last chapter where it's the small, uh, once again, it's a smaller perspective or the smaller argument not being able to then see the whole picture kind of, I guess. I forget what part it was mentioned last chapter. Sure, yeah, and I know I know we covered a lot of stuff. Oh, it was too. the it was the blind men and the elephant thing. Oh right. Where absolutely. it was everyone was seeing something different and they thought it was different. But then the one but for someone to be able to tell that, oh, these were all just different parts of one big thing that's saying that they see the whole thing. Right. And none of them actually did in reality. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of almost a similar thing here where it's to be able to say something's unjust, there has to be just. Right. Absolutely. You, you have to have a view of what justice is in order to differentiate whether something fits into it or not. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all can agree that suffering and evil and tragedy and injustice is a problem for everybody. Like, we all see it, and honestly, even though, like, I've been through these couple of arguments here, you know, showing that, you know, suffering may actually be a better argument that God does exist, I, it still feels like a problem, right? Like, it still feels like a, an obstacle to overcome. It feels like God still isn't quite as good as we think he is, or maybe he's not as powerful as they think he is, even though I recognize that that's kind of a bad way of thinking. It just, like, doesn't make sense if you boil it down. Um, uh, but I think T Timothy Keller's argument here isn't to try and fix everything right now. He, he's trying to show the logic so we can begin chewing on that, you know, ask a good question for us to think about, uh, but then go to show that, you know, this problem of evil and suffering isn't just a problem for people who believe in God. It's also a problem uh, for non-belief in God. It, it, at, at least the same amount of problem, right? The, the, the same level of issue. It, it's changes the way they think about the world. Um, it's a mistake to think that abandoning belief in God will actually make evil easier to handle. I see some, I see some wheels turning. What are you thinking about? I'm just processing. Yeah. I no, I, this is a big thing to process for sure. You know, it's, it's, it's weird to think that this is an equal problem for both, you know, believing, God-believing people and God-non-believing people. You know, they, they both have issues with it in different ways. You, you know, at this point in the book, uh, Timothy Keller switches gears. You know, he, he takes the argument and he looks at it from a pretty much purely logical point of view. He gives some personal examples, right? Uh, but, you know, he, he's coming at it totally logical. Uh, but now he's shifting into kind of giving more of the Christian perspective. He's beginning to pull Bible verses in a little bit more and just share, well, he, here's an alternative view. Here's what Christians say. And, you know, and the first thing about Christianity that we notice, you know, relating to here is that Jesus himself suffered. 
right? You know, we, we see suffering as, you know, a, a really big deal. And, and it's true. It is a really big deal. And we even see Jesus trying to get out of it. You know, he prays to God. He says, hey, you know, if it's possible, can we find a plan B? Like, I don't really want to do this. I want to avoid this suffering. Like, he, he says that to God and, you know, obviously his language and his words. Um, yeah. But he's asking for a way out. And yet, uh, when Jesus is actually on the cross, we would expect him, as being the son of God, of having something super profound to say. Like, he's dying, these enemies are killing him, so let's say something to inspire faith in people so that they may know God, that they may say what needs to say so that they can know. And instead, Jesus cries out saying, God, why have you forsaken me? He, He says something personal, something filled with pain and anguish. And that, that's weird because through history, we see martyrs get cur- killed all the time and they say things that are incredibly insightful, that are spurring other people with faith on to keep fighting the good fight. In fact, there's an example uh, way back, 1955 in uh, Oxford, there's a couple of martyrs being burned at the stake. Uh, that is one way that I would not want to go out. Uh, that, that sounds incredibly painful. I'm just even like, I have a hard time when I'm at a bonfire standing too close, right? Yeah. Like I can't even imagine the pain. Uh, but one, one of the martyrs turns to the other and he says like, okay, so, uh, I'm not going to try and do an accent cause I can't do it. But, uh, they, I, I, I picture like a, a British accent and just super jovial and jolly. It's probably not actually how it's said, but here, here's, here's this quote. He says, Be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust never shall be put out. All right, so just update language a little bit. He's essentially saying, like, by our death, People will see God more clearly than they ever have before. And these people trying to kill us, they can't stop it. That's a bold statement, right? That's encouraging. So why didn't Jesus say something like that? Right? You know, I mean, I I know I'm talking a lot, but it's just, you know, it's really interesting to see that Jesus suffered for real. Right? As the son of God, he didn't take the easy way out and use his power to try and block the pain. He didn't try and just skim over that part of the human experience. He took it on full blast. So do you think he felt betrayed, maybe? Absolutely. I mean, when, when he cries out to God, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Absolutely betrayed. You know, let, let, let's talk about um, betrayal or let's talk about kind of the different relationships we can have. Uh, let's say you have a friend who turns their back on you. How do you feel? Angry. Yeah, why? Because I trusted that person. Sure. I, tr- I trusted him. And if he just turns his back on me, never to talk to me ever again, or yeah, what's whatsoever the situation right. is. Uh, rank that pain one to ten. Ten being the highest. Probably a seven. Probably a seven. Hey, Merritt, what if the person who turned their back on you was someone you were dating? How would you feel? It's... It would be really hard. Yeah. Um. Rank that pain one to ten. 
probably I don't know. Overall, I would have to say either only a, like a four or five because I sure. feel like it would be it it would be the initial shock that would be the worst. Sure. But after that, it's not as bad as having someone that would be like your friend for years that instead of sure. someone that like you're kind of getting into a new relationship with. So, so, so we, we're, we're, we probably needed to define terms a little bit here. So you're, you're seeing the friend as the deeper relationship. Yeah. So, so how would you rate one to 10, the friendship turning their back on you? The friendship, I would say the seven or like an eight because like, sure. Just as guys go, you're like, um, claim, claim yourself, claim, claim yourself, claim yourself, not as guys go in, in my well, life. Well, yeah, like, as us guys go, okay. as as me and me and Ethan are the boys, <laughs> like, we've been friends for what four? Well, no, this would be five years, six years now. Yep. And it's like, mo like the two of us have known each other longer than most, like the. Um, other people know you, you've known each other a long time and you yeah. know each other really well. Right. Yeah. So, so I, what I hear you saying is you go from maybe a lesser relationship. It hurts, right? It's a four out of 10, but then the friendship between you is up to like what a seven or eight you said. Yeah. Uh, so Ethan, uh, don't let merit, uh, influence your rating scale. <laughs> uh, but you know, how would you compare kind of that next level of, you know, friendship betrayal to the, someone you're in a serious relationship with? A serious relationship with. I mean, that that was kind of assumed by someone you're dating. Uh, I probably should have specified that from the beginning, but here we are. Live and learn, All right? right? Um, for a serious relationship, I would say a nine. I would say it would be worse. Than okay, seven friend. to nine. All right, that makes sense. So, so we're looking. We we're recognizing that a serious, more serious relationship hurts worse when there's betrayal there. Now let's visualize the future. Uh, you get married. You have a spouse. How much more would that hurt to have them walk out on you? Divorce right away. Right. So you'd probably, you know, based on your levels, I'd probably say that'd probably be like the 11 or 12. That, that like would be, how like, you that go would higher be a 20 for me. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, and, and Merit, so you, obviously you see the direction this is going here. Yeah, the longer and the deeper the relationship, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder. Um, it's still just out of personal for me anybody else that like i'm gonna meet at this point i will have known for less time right and so eventually you get to a really deep relationship but i feel like it would take a really long time to kind of meet kind of almost where the two of us as friends are at because like as all the relationships that we go through and all the other issues that we go through that's the kind of stuff that you then share with your friend. So until you get to that sure. really serious, like almost marriage or like, um, engaged, well, yeah, obviously we are talking the marriage. Well, yeah, there, but like but. once you get to that part, then you start getting more serious. Mm -hmm. But before then anything before that, it's like anything that ends, then it's, it's always your friends than then. Well, my, my goal my goal out. here was not to rank what is a more serious relationship. My, oh, my goal yeah. here is to yeah. point out that the deeper the relationship, the more pain there is if there's uh, 
you know, a betrayal yeah. or the relationship ends or whatever. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, tying this back into where, where we started on how Jesus came to the earth and t- took on, you know, he felt betrayed by God, right? Especially when he was dying, you know, for that, for how his unity with God was beforehand, um, he wasn't just losing out on a relationship that he's had for two years, four years, 10 years, 20 years, 65 years. He's looting, losing out on the infinite love of God for all eternity. And that's the betrayal we're talking about. And so to say that Jesus... That would be like a yeah. 50 or... A, <laughs> yeah, or more, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like it, it's hard to put a number on that because it's... It's hard to actually visualize, and so that makes it hard to take seriously. Yes. But when we recognize the scale, we can begin to recognize that Jesus actually took on the exact same pain that we go through and more. And, I, you know, then we have to ask why. You know, like, why Why did Jesus do this? And it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to figure that out, you know, but we know why he, why, what's not a reason why he did, did it. He didn't do it you know, because he doesn't love us, right? Yeah. You know, obviously there's an aspect of he loves us. He, he took our pain so seriously that he took uh, the same pain that we go through upon himself. You know, that that's a really big deal. You know, so, so how many families have you heard of who go through something painful where they lose a loved one or a child um, and then they go and they dedicate their life towards fixing the laws that led to this child's death? or towards fixing the social conditions that led to this problem. You know, how often do you see that happen? Um, I feel like earlier in the years, like 2001, 2002. Sure, so a while ago. A while ago, many of that, like a lot of, a lot of that probably happened. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen anymore, but mm-hmm. it probably doesn't happen as often as it, as it did a long time ago. Uh, can you specify what you're talking about? What doesn't happen as often? Uh, families going after like a tragic happens sure. for, for families or whatever. Um, they go and change the laws sure. or they go and... Yeah, just, just to push back on that, that, that actually definitely still happens. You no, know, no, no, yes. Yeah, I, I don't think it happens more or less. I think, you know, every once in a while you'll get a new story of um, people who start uh, like a foundation dedicated towards fighting a certain type of cancer, yeah. right? Or... You know, uh, a law didn't require, you know, a seatbelt in a certain situation. And so, you know, the family then goes and advocates for seatbelts in that situation. So Yeah, or how a school bus has like 60 stop signs sure, on the bus. Right, exactly. Same idea. You know, there's probably some problem way back when and someone dedicated their time to say, you know what? I have to suffer through this. Like I had my loss, but I'm going to do what it takes so that my suffering isn't in vain. That there's yes. a reason for it. Something good happens out of it. Yep. Or no well, one else has to feel that pain. Sure. But what happens good out of them, like, fighting against being able to sit in the bed of a truck going down the road? Less people that. die. But it's so much fun. Yeah, well. You're taking away one of the great things that, like, all of our parents <laughs> and, like, grandparents can tell us about. Oh, yeah, all that time that I used to, like. Right in the bed of the truck, cruising through yep. town with my yep. buddies. Yep. We can't do that anymore. Yeah. It's, you and you can't do that if you're dead either. Just so you know. As as much as I want to go on, go on this tangent about <laughs> how 
I think the world is becoming soft. Sure. Yeah, no, I understand. That's fine. I think we should stay on point with the whole. Sure. All right. So, but, but I, I think, I think the point is well made that people want to know that if there's injustice, if there's pain, if there's suffering in their life, there's a purpose for it. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, from the Christian perspective, there's a lot of suffering in our world. We know that like nobody's going to deny that. Um, but the Bible isn't actually promoting that there's an immaterial paradise. And if you do the right thing, if you follow Jesus, you're going to end up in this heaven and you'll be floating on clouds, strumming on harps. Right. You know, that's kind of the stereotype of heaven. We can unpack that later because that's not a thing. But, you know, that that's not actually what the Bible's talking about. Right. You know, other other uh, religions make that claim. Right. But either heaven doesn't exist or if it does exist, it's almost like a consolation prize. It's like, well, sorry you went through so much crap on earth. Here's a nice time to try and make up for it, right? You don't have to go through the bad anymore. But that's, that's comparatively, that's not what the Christianity is saying. It's, it's, heaven is not a consolation. Heaven is not a, well, stinks that you went through that pain, stinks that you didn't have all the good stuff that you wanted, so here's something nice to make up for it. Heaven is actually saying a, a renewal for our life. You know, let's get rid of all decay and brokenness. You know, let's make all of this pain fully healed. You know, we, not, not just like, oh, well, we'll even the scales, but like, no, let's heal what's gone wrong. You know, everything sad will be untrue. Every, somehow everything in life will be greater in heaven because of the pain that we did here. That when it gets remade and rebuilt and all the bad things made good, then all of a sudden what we have is better than what we had before. Um, see, uh, Timothy Keller closes this chapter with a quote from C.S. Lewis again. He says this, They say of some temporal suffering, so kind of temporary stuff, no future bliss can make up for it, not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn every agony into a glory that's a strong quote like i can think of plenty of stupid stuff from my life that you know if that could be turned into a good thing that's crazy Hmm. i find kind of an issue with that yeah let's hear it and i could see where once you're there Cause then you're with God, you're with the like all knowing God. So he could tell you what good and what like actually was the point of some of the stuff. Sure. I feel like they wouldn't just take it like he'll, I think it's also depends on what you're talking about healing the pain. If it's so you don't really hurt anymore for it. Like you understand now why it happened so you don't hurt any more for it i don't think it's going to take away that you hurt because otherwise everything that you've gone through in this life that was on purpose would then be pointless because once then you got there all the experience and things that he's put you through to make you get there wouldn't have almost been for nothing because it would have been thrown away by him just saying hey none of this matters anymore yeah i can see that and it's not that it still matters but it's made you who you are and how you it's like gotten you there i i i'm glad you said that 
um because that that's that's a point of contention in kind of this kind of conversation i don't i don't think it means to say that uh the pain didn't happen right i I think it means to say that there's new meaning that there's new purpose and it has been fully redeemed and made good you know timothy keller gives an example earlier in the chapter on how he had a dream one night that his entire family like left him uh, betrayed him, died on him. I don't remember the specifics, but just like terrible things. It was that his whole entire family died. Okay, so they, thank you. His whole entire family died, and he came, he woke up, and all of a sudden he had this new perspective on his family. His family didn't actually die, right? He had a dream about it. Nothing real happened, but he felt it. Yeah. And because of that dream, because of that pain, all of a sudden he had a new appreciation for his family and grateful that they were alive and with him. And I'm sure, you know, that day there were problems, right? Like we all have problems with our family. That's not something that just goes away. But uh, to be able to have that new appreciation um, really kind of takes the edge off that pain, right? And kind of brings something uh, new like that appreciation didn't exist before, but all of a sudden it's bigger and better and greater. And that's a really big thing. You know, so I, so I think I think I think that's a good place to kind of leave this. Uh, we we recognize that uh, evil and suffering is for sure a problem, right? That's just kind of the way it is. But um, we can recognize that if anything, it it kind of shows us that God does exist. And if we are going to follow that train of thought, if we follow kind of what the Bible says about Jesus and about God, that that love and that power that He has really is at work in our world, uh, with the end goal of making things better, making things redeemed. And that's a really big deal. So let, let's kind of move on to kind of our ending uh, routines. Um, we, we don't have any questions to respond at this point, but uh, list, dear listeners, uh, if you do have questions uh, that you would like us to answer or talk about, uh, shoot an email to foreverfaithpod at gmail.com. We want to hear. Um, so, guys, uh, people need advice uh, to go through life, right? Um, is there any piece of advice that you're th- you've been thinking about recently that you think people should take into account? Um, so, for anyone that still have grandparents in their life or um, have a person that had... Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, the grandparents either still living or someone in their life who's older. Yes, who's older and has lived most of their life. I would say go to them and ask for advice. Um, I know my grandparents have given me so much great advice that I know I would be lost on certain things without them. Absolutely. Um, some of the advice that I've learned from them is take life slow it's not a race you Mm. shouldn't you shouldn't have to go um all out every time every day go all out just take it slow get one goal done then get another one done don't have to rush it all it's more of just live your life and everything yeah that's great uh, Merritt, I bet this is something that really resonates with you, kind of with kind of what's been going on with you. Tell me about how you feel about that. Yeah, well, honestly, it's when you're going through something and you have and you're like questioning almost anything on it or even when you're not questioning on it, it's good to 
almost it's almost always good I found to get a second opinion or get some advice from somebody else. It doesn't mean you have to go find your grandparents. It could just be your friend. Sure. It could be putting it on our thing and asking us, or it could be asking your parents or grandparents or yeah, absolutely. maybe your local pastor, hey whoever. Yo. Um, but sometimes when you're going through something that you might not be 100% sure on, it's definitely usually a better thing to try to get some advice from someone else. Kind of get that outside perspective yeah. that we're talking about, right? So we're not just seeing life through our own narrow view, but we have someone to help us see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, I know, um, you, you know, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, an outside perspective, even if it's not a grandparent's great, although I, I've been very grateful that I've been able to know all four of my grandparents. Um, you know, only one of them is still living, but I, I'm grateful that I've had the chance to talk to them and kind of listen to their stories and kind of how they've gone through life. Uh, so, no, Ethan, that's wonderful advice. Um, I think everybody can uh, probably learn from that, um, and I, I hope they will. Uh, so let's move to our closing. Alrighty, well, as he said, this is the closing. So thank you, everyone, for tuning back into Forever Faith Podcast Episode 2. Um, if you do have any questions, comments, concerns, or, like I said, things you want advice about, send an email to foreverfaithpod at gmail.com and we will either try to reply to that or put it in the next podcast and give you a response. And with that, we got to wrap it up here. I'm Merritt. I'm Ethan. And I'm Ryan. And that is all, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Forever Faith Podcast. See you next time.